What is going on, True Transformation? It is your host, Josiah Novak, author of Diet Suck, owner of the TrueTransformation.com, and host of this podcast, the True Transformation Podcast. Today's episode is with a really good friend of mine and fellow health and fitness expert, as well as a very successful entrepreneur and author of best-selling books. His name is Mike Matthews, and Mike is the owner of Legion Athletics, as well as the founder of Muscle for Life. And he wrote a couple extremely helpful books many years ago. And recently he has gone back and actually created new editions of the books. So I wanted to have him on the show because first of all, he's been someone who's influenced my career path significantly um, and someone who I aspire to uh, when it comes to writing and content and actually helping people understand health and fitness concepts, the why behind what you should be doing when it comes to your health and fitness. Mike is one of the good guys in the industry. So I wanted to have him back on, talk about his books, uh, because he is doing a really, really cool promotion with the release of the third edition of his Muscle for Life books. Um, so he's uh, someone you're going to want to pay attention to, and you're going to want to definitely add his books to your library. Um, if you already have a bunch of health and fitness books, but you've never read Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, or Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, you're going to want to pick these up because they are highly valuable and they are easy to understand. Very simple reads. You'll be able to pick up a few very high quality nuggets from the books. Um, plus, he's giving away some really cool stuff, including an all expenses paid trip for people who buy the book uh, or a, a lucky winner from someone who buys the book, Apple Watch, new workout shoes, all sorts of cool stuff. So be sure to listen to the show and then go grab the books and then connect with Mike online at Muscle for Life Fitness on Instagram. And then I believe you can email copies of your receipts once you get the book to launch at muscleforlife.com. Uh, but we talk about a few random things on the show. We talk about the books. We talk about Donald Trump. We talk about today's society and how taxes are viewed uh, and just random fun stuff about his trip to Italy. So buckle up jump into today's show, enjoy, and I will talk to you when it's done. Welcome to the True Transformation Podcast with your host, me, Josiah Novak. Welcome to the podcast. Here's my daddy, Josiah Novak. Mike, dude, you're back. What's going on, man? I'm back. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Pleasure's all mine, man. Um, so you just got back from Italy, correct? You were yeah, overseas? Yeah. yeah, I was there for a couple of weeks, uh, family vacation. Wasn't sure how that was going to go because, uh, you know, I have two kids now. <laughs> Traveling is not, not what it once was back when it was me and Sarah doing whatever we want, whenever we want. Um, and it's not so much my son. He's six turning seven. He's a really mellow guy. He's, mm -hmm. he's easygoing. It's my daughter who's one turning two. And um, her name's Romy. And my nickname for her is Rambo, which is Rambo Romy. <laughs> Because she's always going, she always needs to be doing something, and she's always making noise, and uh, she's very stubborn, and she's super cute, but she just is very much, uh, she has a personality, she knows what she wants, and, and she does not like to accept no, but um, she actually did well. She, uh, she slept better over there than she does here. That's also been a thing is... She wakes up several times per night usually. Um, and so I was like, shit, I don't know what the time difference, what's that going to be like? You know, that could, that could be a nightmare. But fortunately, she adjusted quickly to the, wow. to the, 
the different time zone and uh, we kept her plenty busy. So she slept well. And yeah, it was, it was a great trip. It was fun. Was that your first time going on like a, a extended vacation with the kids? Uh, no, uh, see my wife's from Germany. So, uh, every other year we do Christmas, uh, we do the, the Christmas new year holiday stretch in Germany, but I don't really like, so she's from Northern Germany, Dusseldorf area. That's where her parents, they live in the city. And I guess I appreciate it a little bit more now for whatever reason, as I've gotten older, when I was younger, I really didn't like the area. Um, as far as vacations go, it was pretty boring because at that time also they lived in a village outside of Dusseldorf. Mm. And so it was quaint and it was like kind of cute, but it was just a little random village. You know what I mean? Like there was literally nothing to do. So I would always want to go elsewhere. Um, and the trips now, the, the Christmas trips, although again, I do appreciate Dusseldorf and, and just Germany a little bit more. It's still not my favorite place. Um, mm. Northern Germany's industrial. It's kind of bleak. The people tend to be pretty serious and kind of stereotypically German, uh, <laughs> not very, not very friendly. Um, whereas Southern Germany is just a very different experience. So my point was saying all that is the trips that we've done, uh, to Germany have not felt so much like a, like vacations for me. They are more just doing Sarah a favor. And um, in some ways I probably would have preferred to just stay home and keep my routine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that my wife is from Germany as well. Um, and uh, I didn't know that. Where is she yeah, from? Hamburg. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's actually, it's actually similar. Hamburg is, uh, Oh, I don't know where on the map or am I thinking of, Frankfurt. No, I've been to Hamburg. It was probably, I think it was a couple hour drive from Dusseldorf. Yeah, it sounds right. She, she lived there. She was born there. Um, she's, she grew up and moved over to the States when she was uh, 15. Um, so she's been begging me. Uh, and you know, we, we have two little kids as well. Um, and we committed to only going when the kids were ready uh, to go. And I, I think your son is a couple years older than my oldest. So I, I, I have the younger one who's your daughter's age. And then the, the older one's only a year older um, than, mm. than that one. So the, the temptation to go is there and experience it. Um, yeah, just, just do it. it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. Just do it. It's not, what's, I mean, the worst case scenario is it's uh, maybe just kind of annoying. Unless, <laughs> unless, unless your kids are like psychotic or something, that's probably not the case. They're just kids. So yeah, uh, I'd say you, you probably still would enjoy it. And, and it's going to be the same type of experience more or less unless they are much older to the point where it's like, okay, so what do you, you know, we'll do some stuff together, but you know, you guys are old enough. You, Oh, you want to go over there. Okay. You go over there. We'll go over here. We'll meet up. Or if you're going to bring a nanny or something where it's like, cool. So we're going to be doing this stuff in the morning. You take care of the kids. We'll meet up later. Um, uh, and yeah, so, so otherwise it's probably, you know, more or less the same experience. Uh, eating is a little bit more of a pain in the ass and right. walking, walking around, uh, you burn more calories cause you're going to be pushing <laughs> shoulder. But. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where there's a window of, of time here, probably for the next, I don't know, five years where they're, they're just going to do everything with us. They're not, exactly. they're not independent enough to do anything on their own yet. So that, that makes sense. It's going to be the same level of difficulty pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Sprechst du Deutsch? Uh, she does, man. Yeah. Oh, you, I, I don't speak it. No, I, oh, okay. I don't. No, no, no. <laughs> no, she speaks three languages, actually. She speaks Farsi, German, and uh, English. But yeah, all nice. fluently. Um, I'm hoping my kids pick up 
Uh, Farsi, they'll definitely pick up because we speak that in the house here. Um, but German is one of those languages where we only speak it when uh, her friends from Germany are either on the phone or, uh, or here. And so that's once every blue moon, which, you know, you have to immerse yourself into the language if you want to learn it. So, yeah, totally. They could take it in school, though, and they'll have a great tutor at home. So that'll be great. Yep. If, uh, and then you got to keep it up though, or you lose oh, it. Yeah. How many people, how many people, you know, took languages in, in school and remember very little now, dude, I took three and <laughs> it's embarrassing how many words I know of Spanish, French, and Latin. It's just, it's hilarious. It's, it's like, I learned it enough to pass, you know, two full years of each one. Um, but now looking back, I'm like, wow, it's been a decade and a half really since I, you know, did anything with it. So it's, yeah, it's sad that you just lose it, man. Yeah, there's probably uh, the the intellectual version of muscle memory, though. If you were to pick up, mm. if you were to start learning again, if you were to use, I mean, there there are different systems out there that are decent. It would probably come back a lot a lot faster. That's a that's a perfect segue. Muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, that was a great alley oop, man. Um, let's talk about your book, dude, because I I I know when I first had you on my show, or actually when I first knew of you. I actually picked up your book, your first version of Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. And uh, that was one of the game changers for me when it really for nutrition, actually, um, reading about flexible dieting, uh, counting macros, you know, really somebody else, you know, besides some random people on internet forums who swore by, you know, yeah. macro counting, you were one of the guys who was like, oh, this guy actually wrote a book and talked about it. And I, I know I mentioned it before in our last show, but I remember <laughs> the one passage that stuck out to me was like, you talked about eating gelato every night or something like that uh, while losing fat. And I was like, this makes, th this is insane. Like, how does that even work? <laughs> you know, uh, I guess it was one of those like convincing moments. Like, okay, th this, there, there's proof. Now I have you know social proof here. Um, yeah. So what made you want to go back and, and revise the books and, and come out with new versions? Yeah, that's a good question. So, so yeah, that first edition of the men's book was published in 2012. I believe the women's book was maybe 2013 going into 2014. I don't remember exactly. The women's book came about simply because many women were reading the men's book and then mm. reaching out to me like, hey, this seems like it's applicable to me as well, but is it? Should I change anything? <laughs> and so it became obvious like, okay, although a lot, there is a lot of overlap, especially on the diet side. Um, there needs to be a book for women. So women know like, oh, okay, this is for me. And, uh, and especially in these, in the new third edition of that book, I've, I've further differentiated the two just based on a lot of feedback and just ongoing things, which is the segue into why. So, um, when I published that first edition, I put uh, an email address in the book and just at the end said, Hey, if you have any questions or suggestions, just, you know, reach out to me. And so I started to hear from more and more people as the book sold more and more uh, copies and people had good questions and good suggestions. And they brought up things I didn't really think of. Oh, yeah, that probably should be in there. Oh, I guess that's not quite clear. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, so I, I just kept a list of things. And then as I continued to research and write, um, at, at that time, it was only at Muscle for Life. Legion didn't exist yet. Mm. I myself also was like, mm, that should probably go in the book or I should update that or that should come out. That's actually not correct. Um, or it's, you know, speculative. It probably doesn't need to be there kind of stuff. And um, so once that list got 
fairly long, if I remember correctly, because that's a self-published book, all my books are self-published, mm. I, I was able to easily iterate on them. So in the beginning, I was using CreateSpace, which is now KDP, which is Amazon's uh, self-publishing um, print-on-demand platform. Yep. And so you just upload a PDF. So what I would do is, I, I, you know, I probably went through a few iterations of that first edition, making little changes um, and you know, let's add a paragraph there. Let's clean that up. Let's, let's fix that. But uh, the, the bigger things I was saving, there, there were little tweaks I was able to make every month or so, but there were things where I was like, okay, that's going to be a bit more work. I'm going to save that for an official second edition. So I don't remember the exact timing, but maybe a year or two went by and then I did that, that second edition, which was a big upgrade over the first because when I published that first edition, I had no contacts in the industry. I had no following. Um, I had no major credentials to speak of. I was a dude in good shape who was really just trying to write the book that I wished somebody would have just given me back when I was 16, 17, uh, or I guess I was like 17, 18, getting into lifting. And it was kind of a minimum viable product, just, I want to say 60,000 words maybe. And I was really not trying to sell the sizzle. I was just given the steak. Here's how it works. And it doesn't require much of a leap of faith. Just do what I say. And within four weeks, you will know <laughs> that, it, right. that it worked. And it's really that simple, right? Um, and obviously, I put a little bit of marketing into it and gave a little bit of thought as to the title and opening it up strong to motivate the person to really, you know, read it and do it. But I really wanted it first and foremost to be about actual uh, evidence-based practical information that you can put into use very in prescriptive here are the exact things not just a bunch of interesting factoids or um a way for me to try to show off how many things i know or how many big words i can uh, use or how deep we can go into the weeds of physiology or anatomy like you know happens in many uh, health and fitness books and so um the second editions come out and very well received and the sales pick up even even more so when, as word of mouth gets around more and more where people are really liking them. Uh, but I, I started the that same process over again right away. So I had new lists now. I knew that the second editions were not going to be the last. And so again, as I was uh, hearing from readers who would reach out to me, um, in questions, suggestions, I, I, I would, you know, add things that, that made sense to me, um, and add them to the list. I also, uh, was reviewing and still, still look over all negative reviews because I, I look over positive reviews as well, but usually it was the, I would say there were quite a few three-star reviews, sometimes two-star, I'm talking about Amazon now that, that were helpful. A lot of one-star reviews um, were either completely random, like, oh, I didn't receive the book. Like, okay, that's not even a review of the book. <laughs> wow. Well, How insightful. Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or just ranting or, uh, or just like a one line, hated it, this book sucked, you can get all this information online for free, stuff like that. Okay, it's right. not helpful. But, but there were people who actually did uh, bring up valid points and I would usually find those in three, sometimes the four star reviews would be like, okay, I really like the book, uh, but here are my critiques. And, um, oftentimes those critiques, just things are, I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Actually put it on the list. And then again, as I continued to research and write at muscle for life and then also over at Legion, 
where, I mean, collectively now I've published probably close to a thousand articles between those two sites. And uh, I would say the, the word count probably averages to like two to 3,000 words. So it was a lot of reading and a lot of writing. I, I had my own list of things where um, I wanted to add things. I wanted to update things. I wanted to remove things that probably didn't need to be there. And um, once that list grew large enough, it was clear that it was time to do the third editions. Um, and four years actually went by. And that was a bit, uh, a bit longer. I, I probably could have done these books a year, I don't know about two years uh, ago, but probably a year ago, I, I probably had enough of, a, of an understanding. I was probably at that point where um, it, anything further was just kind of diminishing returns in terms of what else am I going to do here. Um, but because there was also a skill component uh, as far as my writing goes, I've, I've improved as a writer mostly as a consequence of just writing a lot and, and reading a lot. This the easiest way to become a better writer is just read a lot of good writing and write a lot. And mm. through osmosis, you are going to improve through your, your reading your, because your standard of what is good writing is going to improve. And then you'll be able to, when you're editing your own writing, more objectively view it and, and you know, know when it's good basically and keep on working on it until it's good by your standard that you judge other books by or other uh, writing by. Mm. Uh, and then there's also just like anything else, the more you do something and the more you kind of, um, I mean, it's not just doing it. There's the whole deliberate practice kind of thing, which there's obviously validity to, but where you're really focused and you're really actually striving to improve and you have some form of feedback, you're going to get better. So um, anyways, I probably could have done these new books a year or so ago, but I had too many other things, mostly Legion related stuff, just running the business. There was a lot going on at the time that was just taking my, taking a lot of my time. Um, but, uh, I started probably about a year ago now is when I started that process of, uh, of working on the third editions and now they've, they, they're out and it's all done. And so that's cool. And, um, so yeah, that's that's really and and my, the the reason why I've continued to do all of that stuff of just keeping the lists and continuing to iterate and improve, um, I, I guess one part of it is just a maybe a a personal like pride issue, a pride of work issue where it, well maybe I wouldn't say it's an issue because not like it's a problem, but that's just one of the factors where I, I really wanted to feel like proud of, you know, these are my flagship books and I wanted them to reflect my current understanding and my current abilities as a communicator and educator um, as much as possible. And of course, you know, it had been four years since those second editions came out. And if um, anybody who has, is, has done or is doing anything create, creatively knows, if you don't look at your work that you've done four years ago and hate it, <laughs> that's 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 you haven't improved very much oh and so that's God. what happened that's what happened is i as i went into these i i thought that these third editions were going to be more along the lines of editing taking what's there and just cleaning it polishing it adding some things augmenting um but as i got into it i was like no i hate this <laughs> it's not that the information was bad i just didn't like how i organized the books i didn't like how many of the things were explained and worded and i didn't i didn't like the voice um and i mean obviously it, this is just by my standards i mean the books at at that time the men's book had probably sold 
three to 400,000 copies, the women's book, 200,000. So of course it's not that objectively speaking, the books were bad, but subjectively when I looked at them by my standards as of a year ago, I was like, nah, this is, I can do so much better than this. So I just basically started from scratch and reorganized all the information and again, took things out that didn't need to be there, put things in that more directly addressed the actual questions and suggestions that I was getting regularly stuff that, uh, people, particularly things I wanted uh, to address things that people felt they needed clarification on to be able to start the program and get going. I, mm. um, I, I love to hear from people, but I would rather hear from people who are saying like, hey, I love the book. I've been following the program for four weeks. I'm already down four pounds or whatever and you know, enjoying my workouts. And oh, I had this other question as opposed to like, hey, really like the book, but I just didn't quite understand this. How do I do this in, in terms of meal planning or, or, or progressing in my workouts? How exactly does it work? I want to make sure I understand this. And um, so there are quite a few things like that, key things that uh, maybe not quite a few, but there are a handful at least of key things that I wanted to clarify. And, um, and also I really wanted to make the book as practical as possible. So there was some stuff that in the second editions that was interesting, but uh, not very practical. Like you didn't, there's nothing you could really do with the information. Um, and so as when looking at the purpose of these books and who these books are for, really, I mean, these books are for people who, let's just say, um, are, uh, they'll take you from your beginning phase as a weightlifter into your intermediate phase. And so if we want to put numbers to that, it's like guys who have yet to gain their first 30 to 30, 35 pounds of muscle probably and women who have yet to gain their first uh, eh, 20-ish pounds, 15 to 20 pounds of muscle. And if we want to look at it in terms of body fat percentage, um, maybe you know for guys that first big milestone is maybe about 10% for the first time, right? Where you have abs, now you look athletic, um, you look you know fantastic by everyday normal standards. Uh, you look fat by Instagram standards, but that's that's just that's just that's just neurosis. So we don't worry about that. Um, just and, and then. Yeah. For women, it's about 20%, right? That's like the athletic, you know, muscle definition, but, but you don't look malnourished kind of look. And so the, the books are really intended for those people. And I wanted them to, to give those people everything they need to achieve that. Whereas where like, if the, here's the 20%, the true fundamentals, the keys that are going to give you 80% of your results, period. Now, if you want to go beyond that and you really want to push your genetic, uh, well, you can't really push the limits, but you want to, you really want to push the envelope and see how close you can get to your, your genetic limits for muscle and strength gain. And you really want to get, uh, I mean, getting super lean is more, of course, it's more the same of what you learn in the books in terms of energy balance and macronutrient balance. Um, but you, you, you normally have to dial back your training volume a bit, obviously. Like you're going to train differently now as an intermediate weightlifter who wants to see, you know, are you a guy who can gain 50 pounds of muscle? Maybe let's see if you can do it kind of thing. You're going to train differently when you're focusing on muscle gain. You're going to have to train quite a bit harder than when you're focusing on fat loss, right? So, um, the, the books really then are for, you could say newbies, but that doesn't necessarily mean new to weightlifting, right? So there are many people out there. I was one of those people who I had put seven years in the gym and gained maybe 25 pounds of muscle in seven years, which is terrible. Um, so most people wouldn't have 
thought of me as a newbie as far as weightlifting goes, but I really was by body composition standards and by strength standards. So again, like bigger, leaner, stronger was for me, even when I was seven years into my, into my journey, so to speak. And, um, so, so yeah, that, that, those, that was like the lens that I was kind of viewing these third editions through and what I was really going for. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's funny because uh, it, it's almost like when you hear your own voice, right? Like on a radio show or something like, Oh God, I, I hate how I sound. Right. It's like, you know, and, and I'm sure like if someone picks up the second edition or the first and read it, they yeah, yeah, know, compare I, I them, phenomenal. you'll see a difference. Yeah. Yeah. But both were phenomenal books. Like, I mean, there, there was nothing like uh, an average everyday reader. I mean, sure. They'd have questions and whatnot, but it's like, then you go back as the creator yourself and you're just like, like I look at my book that I literally just published less than a year ago and I'm like, God, I hate the shit. I'm like, what was I thinking writing that? Right. But it's like, I think that's the curse of creativity is that you're constantly striving, uh, which is, it's a blessing and a curse, but it's that constant striving for improvement. I'm curious to know though, like what were some of the, cause <laughs> the Amazon reviews are hilarious. Like I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Where like a one star is like, didn't even open the package. It looked weird. Like, you know, like what? Yeah. What are you talking cover about? cover looks bad. Yeah. His abs are crooked on the cover. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, great, man. Um, what were some of the common, like, you know, requests, uh, for either more information or more clarity? What were some of the ones that stood out that you thought, wow, that, that definitely needs to be changed or included? Um, well, I mean, I would start with, um, the, the, double progression is, is how that's, that's the, the primary mechanism mm -hmm. that I'm using in the programs. Right. Um, which I think is, I think it's, it's great for a number of reasons. There, there definitely is a, is a time and place for linear progression, but, um, and, and I understand there are arguments that can go both ways with, with people who are new, uh, where you can just tell them, Hey, add weight to the bar, um, you know, every, every week basically, right. and just, and, and just keep going. But I've found in working with a lot of people that, especially because my target market really is people who are generally busy. Like these people have jobs. A lot of them have families. They have maybe three to six hours a week to, to put in the gym. And sometimes they're not sleeping so well because they have kids or sometimes they're not feeling so great. Um, and, and I like that the, that the, the auto regulation allows you to, to progress at the rate that your body is willing to progress at. And, and because in the beginning your body is so hyper responsive, um, it's not hard to know, I think when, okay, you hit your, you hit your top of your rep range. And, and I should probably clarify double progression is where, uh, you, it's a, you take, you take a certain weight and you're working, uh, in a, in a, in a rep range and you work with that weight until you can hit the top of your rep range. So you're progressing in reps up to, let's say in the men's, I, I use the four to six rep range for the head, for the compound, for like a squat, for example, I want to focus on getting you stronger, right? So you progress with your reps. Let's say it's, let's say when you start, it doesn't even matter. Let's say it's 135 pounds. Okay, good. So you start and you're taking each set to about one to two reps shy of failure. So you're not going to technical failure. You're not going to that point where your, your form is really starting to fall apart. And uh, you can squat it for four reps in a few sets. You three sets of four reps and then you do some other exercises. Okay, great. Next week you get five reps. Okay, good. You've progressed. Next, uh, next workout. Um, you get, you get six reps. All right, cool. Now you've hit the top of your rep range and you add weight to the bar. 
you add 10 pounds to the bar. And so now you've progressed in weight. So you have those two forms of progression and that would then bump your reps down. So now you have 155 pounds in the bar and you're probably fine. You can get about four reps with that and you repeat the process. Okay. It may take you another week to get five and then six. And so it goes pretty uh, straightforward like that for the first bit, at least for the first six to eight months, then things start to slow down a little bit. But um, so that's, that's the, the, the primary method of progression that I have in the program. And it, it was explained okay in the, in the second edition books. Um, but I like, uh, I think, I just think I've done a better job in the, in the third editions where I really feel like there's no way to misunderstand it. Now I give several examples and, um, yeah, I, I just think it's, I think it's laid out very clearly, very practically. And, um, to that point, I have not, maybe I've received, I, I can't think now of uh, having, since having released the third editions, um, I haven't, I haven't gotten those emails of people asking for clar clarification on that point, which is a good sign. And so, so that was something there also was, um, on, uh, in terms of meal planning, uh, the, the procedure of, okay, so how do you, you've just learned about energy balance. You've just learned about macronutrients and macronutrient balance. And you've also learned that food choices do matter. Nutrition does matter. It's, it doesn't matter too much in terms of your body composition, unless you're going to uh, be so bad that you're going to develop major nutritional deficiencies, which can, for example, research has shown if you have a major zinc deficiency, that can actually make a pretty big difference in terms of your uh, resting metabolic rate. But mm. if your diet's halfway decent, it's not that important as far as body composition goes. So you've learned these things. Now, how do you make a meal plan? What's the actual like step one? What do you do? And again, I think I did a, I did a good enough job in the in the 2.0s that there were a lot of people who got it and they did it and they got results, but I would get people asking for clarification on exactly what to do or just finding it uh, a bit harder than it probably should be or taking more time than it should take. And so that was, that was something I wanted to address is make it crystal clear, very cut and dried, you know, step one, step two, step three, give some good online resources in terms of here's, here are the places I like to go for, um, getting the, the calorie and macronutrient information of foods. And even here, here's like the multi-step process of how I like to build out the plan. Cause I, you know, I remember now looking back at this point, obviously we don't even think about it. We just throw it together. But mm -hmm. even, even where do I start? Which meal do I, do I, do I start with meals or do I make a list of foods and should I, you know, do my uh, protein first or my carbs first. And so just addressing all those little things to make that process as efficient as possible. Yeah, this this brings up a really important topic, I think, for both people inside the fitness industry and outside is that, you know, I know I'm guilty of it from time to time, but we, as professionals who, you know, this is our livelihood, this is what we do, and we talk about fitness all day, it's so easy to forget where we started, right? It's so easy to forget, like, when I was 13 and I made my first meal plan, I mean, it was god-awful. I was like, you know, milk and Cheerios for breakfast. Like, you know, I was like, do I take orange juice before my workout, after my workout? Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I had, I had no clue. I was just relying on whatever resource I could find in magazines, right? And I think with the abundance of information that's out there, so it's definitely information overload at times. But the person who's just getting into this, who's just like, hey, I want to change my body. I want to look better naked. I want to improve my sex drive, whatever. They get into this with very little information. It's almost like the whole um, concept of balancing a checkbook or filing your taxes that doesn't get taught in yeah. high school, right? And you get out in the real world and you're like, 
everybody knows how to do this shit. Like what the fuck? Right? Like it doesn't make yeah. sense. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And so you look around on social media and you see, you know, uh, Joe blow and Sally who shows her booty pics, who thinks, you know, ha- has it all figured out. And you think like, well, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I don't know. I don't even know what a macro is. Like what is protein? What, what, what should my meals look like? How do I piece it together? And, and so why? Right. And, and why? Why it all just kind of still remains murky. Even, even, even if somebody gives you like, all right, here's the how, just do these things. Uh, if you don't understand why you, you, you don't know how to change if you need to change, what to change, what not to change. Uh, I remember being there as well. When I first inter- was introduced to flexible dieting, it was like, just do this. And I didn't really get any explanation as to, to, to why or why, what a calorie even is and why does it matter? What, what is protein and what does your body use it for? And how does that differ from carbs and fats? And, um, and so I just followed the instructions and got lean and was like, wow, this is, uh, this is interesting. I can uh, eat. Uh, I mean, it was like, even like I can eat, uh, 250 grams of carbs a day and get lean, even though I was right. eating, even though I was eating nutritious stuff, actually, it was just, even that was like, Oh wow. Uh, I had always heard that, you know, you, if you want to get lean, you cut carbs, you do a bunch of cardio. And now I'm eating a bunch of carbs and I'm not doing, uh, maybe I was doing a little bit of cardio. I don't remember this many years ago. And I, I got down to probably, I don't know, seven or 8% body fat the first time. And I was like, mm-hmm. huh, that, that was surprisingly easy, but I didn't understand why. So I didn't understand really the mechanisms behind it. So I remember the, the guy who originally introduced me to this stuff. Um, you know, he would tell me, uh, go have a cheat meal once a week. You can free meal, normal, whatever you want to call it. But he was like, just don't worry about it. Just go enjoy yourself. Eat what you want to eat. Try not to go crazy, but you know, mm. just, just, uh, don't have, have a, have a nice dinner, eat an appetizer, an entree and dessert and enjoy yourself. And so I remember, you know, um, I was having sushi one time and, um, I had been cutting for a couple months at that point. I was pretty much at the end of my cut. So was, uh, dealing with some, I wouldn't get particularly hungry, but I just had that feeling of wanting more food. Like I just, mm. you know, it's that feeling of being in an energy deficit for a while where your body's like, please more energy. And so, so I ate, I don't know, a few sushi rolls and some moji and edamame. And I remember texting him like, is that okay? Did I, is that, you know what I mean? Did I just mess something up or, and it sounds stupid, uh, but it's not that I was stupid. I was just ignorant. I just didn't know. Right. And you know, so, so I understand that that can be a frustrating uh, phenomenon too, because then you feel very restricted and constricted uh, to whatever exact instructions you are given. And so you'll often find people, for example, then following very restrictive exact meal plans for, for long periods of time and not wanting to deviate or not knowing if they should deviate. And you know, that, that can lead to, I guess you could fitness burnout, you could say. Yeah, there's just a lot of the blind leading the blind, I, I feel like out there, right? It's like a lot of just, oh, I, you know, this, this, this pill or this diet or whatever works or somehow worked for me. So you should do it. And everybody's like, yep. okay, cool. I'll just follow you, right? And then you go off the cliff and it's like, well, what the fuck? I just, you know, I just completely fucked up. Uh, well, that's because the person in front of you fucked up too, but they didn't tell you that, right? Um, so there's just, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. I think knowing why is so freeing in so many different ways because then it opens you up to, well, okay, this is, you know, it's almost like the equation. If X equals Y and then, you know, whatever X plus Y equals Z, 
then you can start piecing together the whole equation and start customizing it too, right? I mean, and, and then you start building it into something that isn't temporary anymore. It's something that you just do and it's your way of life, your lifestyle. But most people just don't get to that point because they never understand the reasoning behind doing something, right? A cheat meal, like that is, that's a perfect example. Like go have a pizza and you're like, okay, cool. And then you start, you know, one piece in, you're like, oh shit, am I going to erase the past eight yeah. weeks of hard work? And it's like, well, I don't understand the science behind it. So this is like a very awkward situation and I feel very constrained and I hate this shit. <laughs> like people start yeah. hating fitness because it just, it's confusing. Just like a lot of people hate taxes, right? They just don't get it. And then you start to understand it and you're like, ah, okay, this, this makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah. I'm curious to know, at least, like, at least, at least fitness taxes. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not, not as much. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I guess you, ha you always hate taxes, but then you learn. I actually don't, I actually don't hate taxes. I don't even disagree with, <laughs> like, I do not agree that all taxation is, is theft. Uh, I, I think oh, no, 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 no. taxation tax taxation makes sense. And it has a place in a, in a, in a high functioning government in a high functioning society, I think uh, income tax is probably not the best way to go about it, and especially not an income tax that gets outrageous at the at the higher levels and I think it's even outrageous now where um, you know at the top the I mean, the top, the top rate, I think what is about 40 right now, 39 something, of course your effective rate is a bit lower, but, um, you know, then you have people talking about that should be raised to 70%. And in the past we, we, you know, they'll often say, Oh, in the past it was as high as 90%. What they don't tell you though, is nobody paid the 90%, <laughs> the, 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 the millionaires of that time, which would be like the billionaires of, of, of today, they did not pay it. They did what the billionaires of today do, which is they get out of it. They find right. loopholes. And at that time, it was even more, uh, it was more obvious because we're, I'm talking about the people, again, these would have been the, the big industrialists uh, that, that, would have, that would have even, that this would have even applied to. And they straight up just owned uh, politicians and judges. And they, they, they it was never, it was, it was, it was, it was, an early form of virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. It was, it was to take, it was to, to mollify the masses who are so upset with some validity. I think that you had the, the robber barons that had all this money and had all these things. And then you had so many of uh, even the people who worked for them, you know, barely scraping by. Um, and so it's like, Oh, well, we'll slap this 90% income tax. Oh, okay. And then people go, Oh, that, that, that sounds good. Did it, act, <laughs> did it actually did it, did it actually work? No, they, they, they never, they never paid it. But anyway, no, it's, I mean, it's just like most polarizing topics. There's always two extremes and then the common sense kind of resides in the middle. Um, right. and I think with taxes, I agree. I mean, I, I do think taxes has a purpose that makes sense. Um, but I, in reference to starting to love taxes, what I meant was, <laughs> you know, I, I never enjoy writing the check but I do enjoy learning how to play the game. Um, sure. You know, that part is cool. And when you have people who know the little loopholes and whatnot, it's kind of like, you know, Amazon who everybody loves to put in the spotlight of, Oh, they don't pay taxes. Jeff Bezos doesn't pay taxes. I'm like, dude, you, you don't understand. You don't get it. Right. Like if you see what his economic uh, you know, results look like and how much he improves uh, the economy and whatnot, like in the jobs and all those things, it's like, He's also destroying jobs too. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to weigh. I mean, as far as taxes go, I mean, but look, yeah, look at look at how many. So Amazon, I'm gonna guess they employ a half a million people. Oh, yeah. I don't know, 
easy. Three, three to 500,000 people. Yeah. Um, and the, the, all but maybe the, the highest execs are paying a considerable amount of taxes. And, you know, ironically, even, um, even the highest level execs, I mean, yeah, Bezos, when you're at that level, you get to, you know, you have access to, to the best uh, resources out there in terms of tax planning, as I like to call it, okay. uh, tax, uh, you could say evasion, but that has an illegality to it. It's really, it's not, it's, it's playing by the rules, it's but it's the just, there are so many rules, uh, and it's so convoluted that if you have, if you have enough money, you can set up systems and structures that allow you to legally pay very little taxes, even if you make a lot of money. But ironically, you have many people who make a lot of money. They're not Bezos rich, but you have people that make millions of dollars, in some cases, tens of millions of dollars a year, who, if you look at their, uh, what percentage of income did they pay? And you go, oh, that's bullshit. They paid 11% on $5 million in income, right? Um, but still, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's 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 more that's more money in one year uh, than than the average person is going to pay in their lifetime. Sure. Uh, I mean, what's the average taxes? annual salary? For, it's like fifty. It's, it's probably I would guess thirty six, forty k, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Sure. And so, so the marginal the marginal rate, uh, or sorry, the effective rate on that is probably what seventeen. Yeah. Percent. Probably. And so, and, and most people are in the workforce ugh, 30, 40 years yeah. would, would be my guess. So it's a couple hundred thousand dollars in taxes paid. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> it's just funny because it's, it's, it's very much in line with the participation trophy environment that we live in. Right. It's, it's Hey, well, you know, I don't want to be paying 20% on my money when someone who's making billions of dollars is paying 1% or whatever. Right. It's like, yeah, but are you making billions of dollars? Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, once again, it's, it's like, I want the same thing as someone else who did something amazing. Right. Um, yeah. but, it, but then again, when you look at the numbers, you're like, wait a second, he is paying a shit ton of taxes. Uh, it's just, it, once again, it's, you gotta know the game and people have just a very surface level ignorant understanding very 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 elementary understanding of and facts. and 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 there's hypocrisy oh i, I love sometimes I've, I've had these discussions and when somebody takes a position like that i i i understand too there is a point where there there are some things like um you know, Google paying literally no taxes or Amazon paying <laughs> literally no taxes. Yeah. Even though, even though you, you can say, look at all the people they employ, but paying no taxes on billions and billions of dollars of profits is a bit odd. It's, it's strange. Yep. I, I, I would say that that is, I'm not personally offended by it, but it seems um, like if that's how the, it seems like that's probably not the, the best system. Right? right, but when people when people get uh, the, when they when they when they get worked up over it as if it personally offends them, that's always a red flag to me. Or I'd be like, dude, oh, yeah. if you were in Bezos's shoes, you would do the exact same thing, wouldn't you? And then 100%. if they're honest, they're like, yeah, I would. I'm like, then what are you mad about? Are you just mad because you're not Bezos? At least then be. <laughs> that's that's why you're mad. You're just mad because you can't do what, what he's doing. And that's a, that's, that's, that's different. And so when I hear stuff like that and just, just, I guess just kind of applies, uh, to, to in general, I, 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 I feel that when people 
act very personally offended by things that actually have no impact on their lives whatsoever. Always a red flag for me. It's always a get a hobby flag for me. Like do yeah, something. I just, I just, I just don't power. believe that, that the average person is so altruistic that they're really, it really <laughs> keeps them up at night that the, uh, the marginalized uh, element uh, this, this random marginalized element of society is, is, uh, is just so mistreated. Uh, <laughs> not here and there uh, maybe sometimes and, they just they just feel so deeply for 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 people and for for society in general. Nah, I'm not buying it. I, nah, I think it's, it's armchair quarterback shit, dude. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just armchair yeah, quarterback, think, water cooler talk. It's irrelevant. A way to be to feel like you're part of the zeitgeist and you ha- your opinion matters too. And you ha- you can say things that other people will rally behind. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, me too. Let's all be mad together. Uh, and then there's also just just finding things to be mad about and finding things to, you know, there's the, I think the other side of that coin is, is what you're supposed to hate, right? You're, so you're supposed mm. to hate rich and people, a lot of people get off on hating, uh, whether it's, it's rich people or people on the other side of the political, uh, spectrum. Um, and so it's just as much about trying to, you know, championing your side, which is virtuous as it is, hating the other side. And in many cases, I think it actually comes more from just, just hostility. Uh, yeah. It's a deep, just hostility. you know, right now it's trendy to pretend like you hate, uh, Western culture and you hate white people and yeah. you hate patriotism and you hate nationalism, even though I think many people probably couldn't even properly define many of those words. <laughs> um, but that's it. That's, that's, uh, so it, now if, if that's all you were to say is I hate all this stuff, yeah, some people will listen to that. Many people, though, they 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 they'll just you know it, it, they don't like negativity. So mm. so it's not that's not very palatable. But if you can uh, if you can if you can couch it a little bit differently, if you can if you can make it more about uh, supporting the rights of the the people that uh, the white people are keeping down. Oh, that's now that's virtuous and mm. and that 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 makes you an upstanding citizen. And you know it's just a it's just such a tiresome game it totally is i heard some i thought it was genius i heard somebody say it i don't i'm probably gonna totally butcher what they said but basically they said in today's world people worry way too much about 50 million people and they should be worried more about the five people closest to them right it's like this whole like hey i I worry about what's going on in the world when you should be focused on what's going on in your neighborhood right what's going on next door right maybe what's going on in your own uh, body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Seriously, let's just no, start no, there. That's, that's also a great, a great irony is you have so many people who are uh, pontificating about society and social issues and how we should structure uh, government and how we should structure our economy and how our society should fundamentally work. When you look at them individually and you're like, you're a broken dysfunctional person why would i ever want to listen to you especially in the case of like you're a 21 year old broken dysfunctional person who doesn't know anything who has accomplished nothing and who in 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 many cases as far as i can see is uh ignorant stupid and incompetent so why should we care about your ideas at all 
and that shouldn't even be considered a, a mean thing to say. It's like an obvious thing to say. If, if we allow a bunch of broken, dysfunctional people who are, who are personally, if you could follow them around every day mm. and a, a bad taste would build in your mouth, you're like, Ugh, <laughs> Why I, I, I don't, I do not like what I'm seeing here. I, uh, I, you know, this person spends most of their time on social media, watching porn, uh, watching Netflix and, uh, and arguing with random people on Twitter and they literally don't know anything about anything. They're not interested in any, like there's nothing here. They don't take care of them, their bodies. Uh, their, their immediate environment is in disorder and disarray. They're not, uh, they have no real goals. They're, 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 uh, working toward why would we want people like that to dictate anything, uh, in, in terms of our society. Why would you want to, and I, and I truly believe that broken dysfunctional people can only make a broken dysfunctional society if they're given the reins. If we let them say, okay, you give us ideas uh, and, and the, the more competent class of people, uh, they'll execute your ideas. So you tell us, what should we do? Um, is there any question that that's not gonna go well? Yeah, it's gonna be a, a, a dumpster fire. And well, I think we're, we're living it. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I think we are living it. And I think that that's why, uh, well, there's just, once again, I think a, a huge need uh, to back off the consumption, right? That's, that's really what these people are. They're just constantly consuming, whether it's food, whether it's other opinions, whether it's, um, you know, consuming hatred, right? They're just constantly in this mode of, of just chopping at the bit to get more drama, right? and find a reason to be pissed off. That's not a recipe yeah. for success, dude. I mean, as we all know, the, the most successful people in life are constantly creating, whether that's creating more safety for people, creating more, uh, more uh, pro, you know, providing more in the form of creation. Mm -hmm. Those things mm -hmm. are what, what drive progress in your life, right? Fuck the money, fuck your, yep. you know, your sex life, whatever. I'm talking about your life, right? When you're creating... Like when I go into the gym, I'm literally creating new tissue, right? I'm creating energy systems, better energy systems in my body. Like you just yep. said, start there. If you can't get that right, honestly, like, and obviously like I look at my president and I'm like, well, he's not getting anything right with his fitness, but he's got, he's got his bank account. His bank account. I, you know, I've, I've, I've wondered why, why, why doesn't he just lose some weight? Right. Would it really <laughs> necessary to be? 200 yeah <laughs> people oh, would that, hate him so much uh, more, oh, it would, yeah it would enrage so many people but but it's, it's not necessary to be 260 pounds man he's Come a big on. guy he's a big yeah guy. yeah if you're, i mean I, I i could care less as far as um well yeah i mean i i guess i i say that but i also think i don't know maybe if i were he's like 70 now right 70 yeah 70 yeah more. yeah and and you know and i just i just want to take it easy in that regard and yeah i could i could see that i guess uh but um you know not to get off on a complete well i guess we are just kind of running 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 with tangents now but but you know it would actually ironically i think it would be uh it would be it would be a good 2020 strategy to to drop some weight look a little bit fitter because it just makes you look younger and more attractive and Hell people yeah. 
and and that matters that matters uh, that's that's you know for example and not not to say i don't i don't i don't mean to draw a parallel here but um if if you look into the world of con men in particular right um physical looks was a big part of it like a lot of the, a lot of the most successful con men in history were good looking guys who oh, yeah. Uh, made sure that they stayed that way and and then they also when you, you know you add uh charm which can be learned as well but there's there's probably a bit of that to just some people have it you know what i mean they just have social graces they just know how to how to butter butter up people it's like the serial um, but one. what was his name what, what was uh uh not jeffrey Dunn. bundy bundy yeah bundy. like yeah yeah charismatic good looking guy now I saw pictures. I'm like, I don't know if he's that good. Like people talk about like he's Brad Pitt or something, but like he's, he's definitely not a unattractive person. Right. Like, no, 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 I didn't watch that. I didn't watch that documentary, but, uh, my wife and I, we saw uh, a preview, uh, for it. And she was surprised. She was like, he was a serial killer. Like he was actually, he was a good looking guy. He's in shape. Right. I mean, he was was a good talker. I think she mentioned something about his eyes. Did he have a, like blue eyes or something something like that yeah his eyes were you know attractive right like i mean it was just yeah, yeah. and he was still strange. women were still going for him even when he was yeah. in jail he got married again. <laughs> he got married again when he was I think, did he get I, married again yeah he got married again to a girl who basically you know funded his efforts to try to get out of it and was like you know they were i think she actually got pregnant while he was in jail by him she came to visit him and he impregnated her uh, while he was you know incarcerated so yeah uh, he's and and actually she wasn't a bad looking woman either <laughs> so like Funny. yeah you're right con yeah. men and people in general know that they take care of themselves to appear a certain way yep that's the the power of appearance and uh and just how you carry carry yourself savoir faire yeah dude, we, we went from your your trip to italy to books to serial killers man we 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 covered it all man where to next? <laughs> what do you have? Co- so how does it work now? I know you guys have uh, some specials going on for the release of the third edition. What are you guys doing around it to kind of build more awareness and whatnot and get people excited about it? Yeah, so uh, I'm doing a 99 cent sale on the ebooks, uh, both Bigger, Leaner, Stronger and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, the Amazon ebooks. I'll probably put the others on sale actually as well. Um, but the majority of sales, by others, I mean like iBooks and Google Books and so forth. But the majority of sales come via Amazon. So that's really what people are going to care the most about. And so, uh, yeah, the ebooks are on sale for 99 cents through July 22nd. And I'm also uh, holding a giveaway. So people who buy uh, either of the books um, can forward the email receipt that they get from Amazon to launch at muscleforlife.com, musclefor.life.com. And then they'll be entered into a giveaway with uh, over $6,000 in prizes, $6,000 in prizes, including an all expenses paid trip to DC to meet me and team and work out and hang out together, uh, an Apple watch, a new Apple watch, some noble training shoes, uh, a hyper ice foam roller, uh, Legion stuff and, and more. And yeah, that's uh, a fun way to, to kick it off and makes it really a no brainer. It's like 99 cents. We're talking about like a gas station cup of coffee. And, crazy, and, yeah. and if you don't like it actually through Amazon, you can just refund it. You can just go into your Amazon. I don't know. Many people don't know this, but you can just go into your um, Amazon. You go, you go to Amazon, you go to your account and it's like, my digital content or something. And you'll see a list of, of Kindle books that you've bought. And I believe you have like two weeks, um, to refund. You might even have 
longer, but it's at least a week or two, I think, uh, to just refund a book. If you don't like it, it doesn't matter how much you've read, you can just get your money back. So there's really no risk. And so I wanted to make it just a complete no brainer for all the people out there who have, haven't read um, either of the books or have read a previous edition and aren't sure if they should go in for, in for the third um, so uh, that was that was that was my thinking behind it, and I should also mention actually people who have previously bought an ebook, uh, at least through Amazon, I know, um, or an audiobook through Audible, they actually are going to get the new third edition uh, for free. So you Sweet. can just get it via an update. Sometimes that happens automatically. Sometimes you have to do it manually. It's hit and miss. It's not up to me. It's it's Amazon's system. But either way, uh, if if your book doesn't automatically update. You can, I think there's a manual way to do it uh, again on Amazon where it's like going to your digital content and then you should see an option to update. Worst case scenario is you just contact customer service and they get back to you quickly and you just let them know, hey, a new edition was released to this book. Could you please update mine? And then they'll update it. Um, same thing goes for the audiobook. And as far as the, the, the paperbacks go, the paperbacks are not on sale. Um, although actually they're kind of technically always on sale on Amazon because Amazon always marks them down. Um, uh, currently the men's book is like $13, $14 and the women's book is like $15, which is funny. I've actually talked about one star reviews. I've gotten a one star review on the women's book. Someone saying, Oh, this is the, what's up with the price differential pink, pink tax. She called it right. And because the women's book was a dog and I was like, no, that's not up to me. That's Amazon's algorithm. Like that's that. <laughs> So I guess everything about this world in a nutshell, dude. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess, yeah, you can, you can write them and accuse them of misogyny, but not me. I would Those gladly bastards. like the, the MSRP on, on that's all I can control is the MSRP. It's the same on both of the books. Um, and, but, but yeah, so if you want a paperback, they're not expensive. Uh, the, the price does fluctuate, but it's usually around 13, $14. And, uh, these are, these are hefty books, 400 or so pages of content, 130,000 words or so of content. Uh, so, uh, they're very thorough, very comprehensive and also comprehensible. One of the bits of feedback I've been getting that, um, makes me happy is that people have remarked like, Hmm, this is, this is a long book, but it reads, I, I went through it quickly. It reads very easily. Things are very clear. I don't find myself having to go back and reread things or, uh, I don't have to spend much time in a dictionary. I kind of just breeze through and, um, you know, that's, that's what I was going for. And also that there doesn't, there's no con. I mean, some people said, Oh, there's some stuff, some filler, I actually be curious what they're referring to. I think it's generally in the beginning. I'm trying to build up some some hype in the beginning just to get a person motivated and excited to read the book because, uh, and I, I understand, I've been there myself, if a book doesn't grab you within the first at least 30, maybe if you're an avid reader, you give a book 50 pages, maybe like I'll maybe I'll give 50. But for many people, it's like the first 10 to 15 pages. If you don't really feel compelled to keep going, there's a chances are you're just going to pick something else up and maybe now you're going to, you know, now you're reading two books at the same time and the other one's more interesting. And, the, and then, so the first just kind of languishes. And so in the beginning, I'm trying to really say, okay, here's what's in this for you. Here's why you should care. And no, I'm not, I'm not sharing any like useful information yet in terms of what do you do? But um, I know a lot of people, they need that. They need to, cause they've been down this road before they've listened to different gurus and experts and they're cynical and rightly so and skeptical and so I'm, I'm really trying to address that saying all right 
um, here's who I am. Here's why you should care what I have to say. And here's why you should read this book. Here's what I'm, here's my promise that I'm making to you. And so some people feel like that's filler because they're more sophisticated in terms of market awareness. Like they're beyond that. Just, just tell me what to do. Mm. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of people have remarked that, um, for as much content as in the book, there's remarkably little that they would consider filler and they understand why everything's there. So that's pretty cool too, because that was uh, one of the things I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And the good news is um, you're an adult and you can go through that section just for, <laughs> with the flip of a finger, man. It's pretty, yeah, cool. it's pretty cool. <laughs> you can get to the good shit. Uh, yep. No, I, there's very few people in the industry. Well, first of all, dude, I, I would say, I, I don't think there's anybody in the industry who writes better than you um, and, and probably more frequently with high quality than you. I, I really am curious. I, we'll have to talk offline about your superpower, dude, but you're, you're an incredible <laughs> writer, man. Um, you inspire me. Thanks. And, uh, there's only a few nowadays, especially only a few people in the industry I would ever give my stamp of approval to buy a book or program or whatnot. Um, and so I've, I, I own these books. Um, you know, if anybody wants to call me out, I have them in my phone. I'll show you a picture or whatever. Um, but they're phenomenal. Picks they help me or get the fuck out. <laughs> picture didn't happen along with addiction, yeah. right? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So dude, Thank you so much for the quality information, man. I mean, that, that is the most important thing. And when I say quality, we, we alluded to it in the show, but not just what you should be doing, but why and many studies to back it up um, and the proof of, of social proof from your clients, from yourself, your, your experiences. And uh, I appreciate too that you evolved, man. I mean, I think when I read your book, you probably didn't have kids yet um, or you were a young father or whatever, but you've continued to make changes um as your life has changed to share what works for you what doesn't um and that is that's that's very very helpful for someone in the industry and people outside the industry so appreciate that man it's awesome yeah thanks for the for the uh the endorsement and the kind words i appreciate it you got it man well deserved so thanks for coming on the show man and uh we'll connect soon absolutely that was my interview with Mike Matthews from Muscle for Life. Thanks so much for listening. Just a quick reminder, um, go grab his books. And if you're also looking for more help when it comes to your health and fitness, you can check out my book as well, faddietsuck.com. You can check out my book, Diet Suck. And I am having a promotion for anybody who grabs Mike's book and sends me a receipt. I will send you a free digital copy of my book, Diets Suck no strings attached. Just email me a copy of your receipt from buying Mike's book on Amazon. And I will give you a copy of my book as well. Complimentary on the house for grabbing Mike's book. So thanks so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to the show. If you enjoy it, leave us a rating and review. Let us know how we're doing. And uh, if there's anybody you want to see on the show or any topics you'd like to see discussed, let me know. And I will talk about it on a future show. Thanks again. Peace. Thank you for listening to the True Transformation Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to the show. True Transformation.